drop. Hey, Idaho Dems. Welcome back to another episode of ID Pod, where we talk about Idaho politics and how it affects you, the voter. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse. I'm Lindsay. And on today's show, we had Representative Brooke Green from District 18 here in Boise come onto the show and talk to us about a lot of things, but really kind of centered around her work in the legislature and how we are going to move forward specifically with the election in November and some some things that come along with that. Yeah, it's been really awesome to talk to Brooke. She's a great person to have on our side and we really enjoy her. Yeah, she sure definitely has the the vibe for a podcast, I would oh, say. Oh yeah, so. I mean, yeah, chatty and... Chatty, we, she's it, funny. It just felt like we were just chatting yeah. with a friend, which we were, but yeah. you know. Which we've become all too familiar with. Did it feel, <laughs> you know, it just, she's just great to listen to. So yeah. we think you'll really enjoy, um, it's really it's an important episode too. Very important episode. We will remind you, please, if you have not already, head to iwillvote.com forward slash ID and you'll be able to request your absentee ballot there. It's very simple, very easy, and just get it out of the way right now. Without further ado, thanks for listening and enjoy our episode with Brooke Green. Well, welcome, Representative Brooke Green, to ID Pod. The first time you've been on with us, and we're very excited to have you. Definitely one of our favorites. Yeah. Of all of our, you know, they're all our favorites, but <laughs> we have lots of favorites. Yeah, we do. Yeah, but I love we, hearing we that. I'm excited to be here. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if you've listened before, but every episode we ask our guests what their favorite potato dish is. So, Brooke, oh. what is your favorite potato dish? Apparently, I really should have been listening because that's the toughest question. Yeah, you know, it's, it's okay because we want everyone to just answer with their gut and not. Yeah, yeah, yeah because that's where it all ends up. Right. So <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think a second. My p- favorite potato dish. You know what? This was a bizarre one, but it's got potatoes in it. I love potato pancakes. Ooh. Wow. Love potato that pancakes. Before. That is a good one. Yeah. That I is just, a great one. Anytime it's on the menu and I have an opportunity to order it, I do. And mm-hmm. it's just, I didn't know. I, I mean, I'm originally from New Mexico. And so I get up here and I was like, potato pancakes? Who puts potatoes in their pancakes? And then oh. I've eaten them and I was like, oh, now I know why. Well, so. With like leftovers after Thanksgiving oh, yeah. or, yeah. I, I. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I've never seen it done before. Oh, yeah. But great. I would say, you know what? If I'm going to go with anything, a potato pancake is pretty awesome. That is a great answer. Chalk that one up as a new one. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> you didn't yeah. see that one coming, huh? I know. I didn't. It's good. Hey, I didn't. I love I mean, surprises. But I've gotten so many ideas of like how to make pancakes or not pancakes, sorry, potatoes mm-hmm. from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it just usually how, makes My me question crazy. is. How many people said French fries? None. Not, I don't think we've had any. Maybe we've had maybe one. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. We've had tots but, a couple of times. Yeah. Baked potato uh, a couple baked times. Potatoes, fingerlings, red potatoes, like. Au gratin. Yeah. People love funeral potatoes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm we, glad we, to be we the first talk potato pancake. We you. could talk about potatoes yes. the whole time, honestly. <laughs> it's just aren't in our nature, but. We're going to yeah. move on and talk about <laughs> about your election in 2018. Um, what congratulations still, by the way. Thank um, you. We've loved having you in, um, in our caucus. So what were you doing before you were elected um, a representative? Well, I guess um, 
what I was doing before I was elected is exactly what I'm still doing while I'm in office. So mm -hmm. that's the wonderful thing about the Idaho legislature is we're a citizen legislature. And so we and several of us um, who aren't retired or maybe necessarily independently wealthy or necessarily ranchers, the rest of the time of the year, we actually have to go back to our day jobs um, just so we can continue to make ends meet. I am really, really lucky and privileged to work for Ada County Highway District. Um, that's what I was doing before I ran for office and I continue to do so today. I started there at ACHD as a transportation planner who focused primarily on bike and pedestrian and community programs. And as um, I'm, I just passed my five year mark and I have shifted, not necessarily, I still do bike and head, but now I have shifted over and I'm doing more along the lines of our scoping efforts and a lot of our larger concept studies. So um, row one out, I just did a concept study for the Orchard Street extension, and which mm. is a very large, very expensive project coming down the pipeline. But like I was telling you guys today, I was just out there riding my bikes. I'm evaluating bikeways throughout Treasure Valley. So it's really great that I was able you know, to run for office in 2018 and that they gave me that opportunity. My employer has been extremely accommodating. And when I approached them and I said, hey, I wanna run for office, um, what options are available to me? I really wanna stay a transportation planner here in the Valley because it's really, really cool to be able to plan your projects and then see their impact in the community and how they help people kind of navigate our space. Mm -hmm. And they, um, agreed to work with me and so I kept my job and I've kept my job while I serve at the legislature and come January 3rd of every year when the session starts I go on a unpaid leave of absence and just as though somebody goes off and serves in the military or in other civic you know civic responsibilities um, I go off and serve in my capacity at the legislature Un, you know at that time I'm on leave from ACHD so I don't associate or do anything with them and then when the session's over, I report back to work that Monday. Wow. So, well, that, yeah. that is really awesome that you're able to do that. Um, and that, I love it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a really cool job. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so I've watched you since you've been elected. I've sat in meetings with you. And I have to say, you're just a powerhouse. Like, you just say whatever you want to say and you say you do your research you know what you're talking about like i just get that vibe from you and i just think it's wow. awesome um but we know as oh, democrats right. in the legislature it's sometimes an uphill battle <laughs> to say the least so how has your time in the legislature been um we've had a rough couple of years in the legislature uh, challenging i should say um so how's it been for you like what have the highs and the lows been you know it's been rewarding um, it's been rewarding on so many levels because prior to me running for office, uh, a lot of kudos goes to Lana, Representative Rebel, who took me under her wing early on and um, offered me stuff for her. And so I was able to dabble in um, and subbing at the legislature prior to actually running for office. So I did that for six years. And so going in, I already had a pretty good grasp of what to expect or mm -hmm. what it was going to be like. And it's because Alana helped mentor me up. I mean, she helped champion me into that seat. And so since I've been in there, you know, we've I just wrapped up my second year. And I will tell you, I've gone up and down in all those emotions from being unbelievably frustrated at the circumstances 
or you know the bills that pass out of committee and make themselves to the floor and somehow pass out because I really have a hard time recognizing that any of those bills when they do pass are really going to serve our community mm-hmm. and instead they put up you know we're passing bar- um, bills that add additional barriers to people being able to live their quality of life the way they want to live it we're restricting them on the way in which they live their lives and we're pretty mandating on how they're going to live their lives and it just that is so frustrating because that's not the intent of why I go and serve, right? I wanna make quality of life and enhance it for everyone. So it's really difficult to be in that place. I will tell you, um, this past year was probably the most difficult year that I have had. And I will hone in, I don't know if the opportunity comes to speak about it, but I had one bill that uh, I worked with my counterpart on the other other side of the aisle, I worked with her so much to get uh, some regulations put forward regarding the vaping industry. And we went through it all. And by the time that the bill went forward, I had to remove myself off the bill and hand it over to a chairman to get it passed. And that's part of doing the business for the people, right? We don't go in there to get the kudos that, hey, you know, you did the bill. Like, I know I worked my tail off the bill. Yeah. Right. You know, it went forward, but the reality is it got passed and it got passed by five votes and as a result um, is law. And so, but it, going through that emotional train wreck of an experience was was a tough one, but it was rewarding to know this is how you navigate the system. This is how we have to get things done. You highlighted mm-hmm. it. We're Democrats. We're Democrats in an environment that's majority, you know, has a super majority over us. And so we just have to be willing to have those conversations across the aisle, find some compromise on good bills and work together. And sometimes we just have to put our egos aside and say, take it and run. It's a good bill. It needs to happen. So, yeah. And those are kind of the stories that go untold. I have to say, even in our circles where we talk about this stuff day in, day out, we don't really hear that kind of stuff very often. We don't really talk about that very often. What we talk about is, you know, like HB 500, 509, like bills yeah. like that, that get all the coverage as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like the the worst parts just kind of stand out. Um, yeah. But it's good to hear that, you know, you're making those compromises and you're having those conversations behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard work. So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. It's it's hard work. It's rewarding. When it was all done, I remember I went out with some of the gals who, kudos to them, they were a powerhouse team The um, from the lobbyists, from everywhere, from the local hospitals on down who, who worked community and on our committee members who had those discussions. Um, that table was like looking around and I was like, listen, ladies, look what we just did. Mm-hmm. Like, ladies, this bill got passed. And it got passed because five phenomenal women literally put their, you know, their feet to the ground, did not stop, hounded that one through, gave it to the right person to carry it through the finish line, and it happened. So I think that's like the true test of a, a statesman or a stateswoman that you're not there for the recognition of you being the one that carried the bill. You're the one that's right. just trying to be a public servant, ultimately, yeah. and do do as much good as you possibly can. So kudos to you on that one and then like Lindsay said it's fun to hear those stories yeah because we don't always get to get to hear them so Mm -mm. thank you (laughs) and it's a true reflection of the roller coaster ride I think I mean (laughs) I'm going to be vulnerable here I cried when that happened I mean oh sure I mean everything that went down with that bill (laughs) was 
I walked out of there and I said, okay, year two is when I learned it all, mm-hmm. right? Year one, you get your feet wet, you're kind of figuring it out, but year two is when you learn it all. And I still have so much more to learn, but what I, the most important thing that I learned was um, seeking compromise, setting aside the ego, navigating a system that is extremely convoluted and political, mm-hmm. and then seeing something through the finish line. Loved every bit of it. So I want to stay on the track, obviously, of the legislature, but kind of pivot to the State Affairs Working Group that you are on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> for the listeners, we have Zoom, or we have Brooke on Zoom, and <laughs> she kind of <laughs> looked down on this one. But it's a question that's very, it's very important right now Relevant. because a lot of the things that you talked about had to deal with elections. So you had a working group on the twentieth, and you heard from Phil McGrain, who yep. is the Ada County Clerk, and he's also the he leads the elections committee for the Idaho Association of County Recorders and Clerks. And before I ask you a question, I just want to read some of the things that he brought forward as proposals and then jump into a question for you. So for the listeners' sake, obviously, Brooke, you were there when this happened, but Phil mm-hmm. McGrain, basically what it sounds like, and I guess I will take, this is the first question, but he kind of basically hinted that there's a going, we need to have a special session to deal with November's election. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Okay. So he said, basically said that, and then he some bills that he sounded like were consensus among county clerks were they want a bill allowing county elections officials to establish voting centers. They want to reduce the statutory deadline for mailing out absentee ballots from 45 to 30 days. Yep. They want to give election officials additional time to open those ballots uh, to verify voter signatures because as they're as it goes right now, they aren't open until the day before an election. And if we're looking at an increase of absentee ballots or like 80, 90% of people voting by absentee this year, you're going to need that. And then he also brought up something which we can maybe touch on. This one was kind of took me aback, but it makes sense, is having potentially specific voting centers for those who have COVID-19. That one, that's that's the way that I read the story. Mm -hmm. It was basically like we... It's and it makes sense. You, we don't want to disenfranchise anybody, but just the wording and the fact that we are here right now in 2020 talking about <laughs> voting for people who have a global or a disease from a global pandemic. So, anyway, that's what Phil has brought forward. And so, I wanted to kind of jump to you and say, what did you think about those bills or those ideas that he brought forward that could be turned into bills by you, the legislators? And do you think a special session is necessary to go over what we need to do for November? A couple things. Um, first and foremost, kudos. I, I've got a lot of respect for um, Phil and what he's had to like mm-hmm. address in such a short period of time. I mean, when we came out of this and we were going into the primary, it was like the height of COVID. Uh, we were dealing with something that was unprecedented. We hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. And they moved with the punches and they were constantly having to be so fluid on how they executed the primary election. And so um, first, I just want to tell them like they did what was necessary to get the job done. And I think they did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. coming out of the primary. It was really evident that we certainly saw this like robust uh, participation of people who said, you know, I have another means in which I can participate in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's so important, right? Is we have to give an avenue for everyone in which to participate, to vote and mm-hmm. give them, you know, ensure that they have that privilege, that they can go out and they can have that vote. Um, he brought a couple bills forward and we're going to have this discussion again tomorrow. Right. And, you know, you, you alluded to it, right? These working groups, 
these working groups appeared out of what I consider necessity for certain groups or a certain group to put pressure for a special session. I mean, the governor spelt it out pretty clear. You're not going to get this special session on this blanket everything, mm-hmm. right? Narrow it down. So they call these working groups to help us narrow it down. The reality is these working groups were pulled together so that way the majority can kind of push through their special bills. Let's be real. That's the truth. Um, so we are having the special session, a special working group. The second one is tomorrow. We will he- be hearing Phil's bills that he's got put forward. Um, the special, the touch base on all three of those pieces, the special locations for COVID positive folks to come <laughs> vote. Either that like went right above my head and I didn't hear it. Although it 100% completely makes sense, right? Like we cannot disenfranchise people from being able to participate in the right. process. So that's what we have to do to give them a place. Um, I don't know who's going to man it. <laughs> like, are we going to find some COVID positive right. Yeah. I'm not I, sure how that's gonna look. I I pulled up the story yeah, just so that I could read this because yeah I, I really I want to you know so the listeners understand. But he said we have a plan for that. He said when he was asked about you know surgeon if there's a surgeon virus in the virus uh-huh. leading up to November. So we have a plan for that. He said and what about polling places for people just uh, that just have COVID? Um, people are entitled to vote. Uh, we can't turn them away. This is just highlights some of the difficulties we face. Okay, so, so it wasn't necessarily. Yes. It was a. It was a. We, we need to think about no. this. This is a right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I wish so, they okay. would just vote absentee. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, gosh, I don't know who's going to vote. Don't sign me up. Right. Okay. So, no. <laughs> some of the other things that were discussed that are coming back to visit us tomorrow morning, and our working group is at nine a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, and if you guys are interested, you can log on to the state legislature site website landing page. Click on the link and you can watch us. Perfect. Um, one of the things, so there are a couple things in particular, the voting centers, like the vote centers. Mm-hmm. And Bill and I had been in discussion long before COVID ever came about, was making it easier for people to vote. So right now, if I want to vote at my precinct, I have to leave my house early, on my way to work, stop by there, vote, and then head on into work, right? Mm-hmm. Because I live in Southeast Boise. I work at Ada County Highway District. Although once I get to ACHC, guess what's in the auditorium? A voting location. So I would rather have the opportunity, and that was this mobile mobile voting opportunity, you know, that you can go to any precinct and you can vote, was something that is being considered and we are, you know, will be presented to us tomorrow with those vote centers, right? Is that He's going to try to consolidate, but he committed or he at least mentioned it to me that for each district, it could be two to three locations or up to three locations for them to go vote. One is not enough or you have this situation like we did with Canyon County. Um, However, you'll be able to vote at any precinct location or any polling location. And that I actually believe will enhance um, opportunity for people to participate. So you're no longer having to make that decision. Do I stop on my way into work? Mm -hmm. Or if I'm at work on my lunch hour, I know there's a polling station a block down the street at the nearest school, I can leave and go do that rather than having to go back to my assigned location. So I think that actually will enhance people's uh, ability to participate, especially those maybe who are on trips and they're not having to wait in long lines. 
Now, the consolidation piece is problematic, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it's something that can be addressed, especially because we've had so many absentee ballots come forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mention he and I talked yesterday it was like 140,000, and that may be the wrong number. I'm throwing it out there. I shouldn't throw out numbers, but I'm going to throw it. <laughs> Let's just say there's a lot of people who have requested absentee yeah. ballots. They did it in the primary. They're doing it now. Um, So if anything, and the biggest takeaway is, guys, get on and request your absentee ballot. Right. You know, that way if you do get sick with COVID or we're, you know, we're confined to our houses again or Mm -hmm. we get a second surge or whatever that is, you've at least have taken necessary steps to ensure your vote is counted. Mm -hmm. Um, So that takes care of both the vote centers, which I actually am not too concerned with, you know, Phil, his operations, the county clerks who put this together, and this is this is a little bit of reassurance, right? I work with engineers. If I want a road built, I'm going to go ask the engineers how to get it done. Right. If I'm the elected official, I'm certainly not going to say this is the best way in which to pro- approach it. I'm going to go mm-hmm. to the people who the job. The fact that the bills that are being put forward were the accumulation of the county clerks from all over Idaho were the clerks here in Ada County work together and those who are in the industry have advised us the best approach based off of their capacity to get the job done, um, put forward these bills, I'm a little bit more inclined to support them. I have hesitation where those, and I mean, county clerks, these are people who work in government. These are people who want to see people vote. Um, you know, they they put a lot of, they participated, you know, and there's some hesitation, but these are people who should in their role want to see yes. a robust ability for people. I to agree vote. with that phrasing. Yes. <laughs> so they should. Um, I did see what went on in Canyon County and especially when it was the runoff election and everything about that was unexcusable. Like absolutely consolidation to one polling location. Mm-hmm. Um, is inexcusable and it did disenfranchise people to vote. So I'm not going to say that there aren't examples where we've seen the worst of the worst, because that is an example of the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am trying to say that in the middle of the crisis that we are facing ourselves right now, that the suggestions that are put forward are reasonable suggestions, especially because of capacity. Um, Also part of the consolidation pieces, can they find the staff? Right. Right. Yeah. So, there are a lot of considerations. However, there's sunsets with both of these. Mm-hmm. So they're not permanent fixtures that we're going to see our elections ran this way into the future. There are There is a sunset clause. And so um, it really is a solution to an emergency that we're facing right now. It's not the solution for permanent participation on how elections will run in the future. Right. So, yeah. Which, lots of caveats in there. Yeah, I... I usually don't agree with Mary Souza, but she did say, you know, doing anything in response to a temporary virus that jeopardizes our election integrity going forward. She, you know, was kind of urging caution on that. So now that you say that, I'm kind of like, maybe she, maybe that was like a pro, you know, we need to do what's right this time, but we need to be careful moving forward. So, you know, having sunsets on things, maybe that actually is. Because I, the way that I read this was, (laughs) <laughs> she wanted to just have in-person voting and we don't need to change anything. And that really kind of scared right. me and, um, you know, screams oh. disenfranchisement. So, no, we need a hybrid approach. We need to be able that those who will need to participate in person because, you know, for whatever reasons, those who need to participate 
and have that extension. The 45 days still applies to those who are in the military or who are not within, you know, I think one of them is the military and one other piece, they still get 45 days. The reason, and I asked about those 45, 30 days. The reason it was moved to 30 days is because it's too close apparently in the calendar date to get everything put out in time. So it's back to that capacity at the county clerk's and why that was condensed. So that was the proposal was to move it from 45 to 30. It hasn't actually passed into law, correct? No, and that's what's going to come in tomorrow. Got you. And again, it's sunset for the crisis. Like, And that's how I feel about potentially the special session. Anything and everything we discuss as it pertains to the special session, when we get called, it's not if, it's when, um, needs to be specific to the crisis that is at hand and needs to be fixing the problem that is at hand and not any, like Mary Sousa said, Representative Sousa said, um, it shouldn't be something that we come in, or Senator Sousa, sorry. Um, It shouldn't be something that we come in and just have a blanket approach moving forward, right? That dealing with the integrity of the election itself. No, this is about the crisis. This is what we're going to do to get us through the crisis and to ensure that people can actually participate in the process. Right, which... You saying that, I want to go back to elections, but you saying that I had in my notes about uh, what Jason Monks and Stephen Harris said about one of them, Stephen Harris wanted to bring forward a constitutional amendment that they could call themselves into session. And then Jason Monks from Nampa offered two bills that wanted to limit the governor's emergency powers. Um, So, you know, hopefully moving forward, uh, you say if not when, or, or when not if a special session is called, it does stick to things like the November election and Um, One of the other questions I had about the November election was, is there something that the state legislature could do? Obviously, they can mandate like everybody gets mailed a ballot, which I don't think that the the majority is going to agree to that one. But is there other things like me? I'm shaking my head so so vigorously. No. Um, Is there anything that the legislature could do, for example, providing funding for counties to purchase more like ballot drop boxes? Um, obviously right now there's a lot of news going around about the postal service and, yeah. uh, delays and whatnot. I think personally, you know, I'm almost considering maybe I'll find a drop box when I get my absentee ballot. Um, you know, what have you, is there anything the legislature could do in that regards to provide funding for something like that, to make it easier for folks to return their ballots with a little bit more confidence? You know, I'm certainly, there is, um, and I'm not sure necessarily if anything that's coming out of the CARES Act would actually apply mm-hmm. to the situation. Um, that is a very operational piece that's probably going to be driven a decision or like at the local level if there's a need. Aiden Canyon County, the Treasure Valley, our larger metropolitan cities probably do need to come up with a, a solution. Um, it hasn't been asked if it's asked and especially if it comes from the majority, they can find funding for anything apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, because there, that, there is that integrity, right? Is my vote going to make it uh, right. to the location and get voted? And mm-hmm. and that that's a legitimate concern. I don't, I would like to think we don't have or haven't had an issue before. Right. Um, I talked to Phil yesterday and I said, hey, so we've been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. Like this absentee ballot it's thing isn't something new. It's, we've been doing it, and can you attest to any times before this year that we've ever had a concern about the security of the ballot making it to you? <laughs> He's like, yeah, not so much. And I was like, right. so the only difference now is we're going to just flood you with lots of mail. Right. It's like pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and in previous years there hasn't been an issue of you getting the ballot or the ballot getting in. There also hasn't been an issue of the ballot 
being fraudulent. Um, you no. know, but <laughs> it's a problem. So right, right. Uh, this isn't rocket science. We've been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. Washington and Oregon's got pretty figured out. You know, it's it's a it's the appropriate solution for the times that we face. I'll tell you this. I love voting in person mm -hmm. because there's something about getting my sticker, right? <laughs> walking out. Like, I don't know what it is. I mean, I keep my stickers, right? Oh, yeah. There's something about that. And, and you don't get your sticker when you do the mail-in yeah. ballot. So this hybrid approach is appropriate. I think everybody will have their means in which right. to vote. I The biggest takeaway, especially in the circumstances we're in, request your absentee ballot. Mm -hmm. Get on there. Get that request in. Um, get that ballot to you. You know, like you said, go find your drop box at the post office. Right. You can drop it off there if that makes you feel a little bit more secure. Mm -hmm. um, the question about additional drop boxes is something that, you know, certainly we can entertain. And, you know, like you said, it, it may may lessen people's concerns. Right. So. For sure. Yeah. No, I I had a, actually a conversation with Phil yesterday, and he let us know that they are getting more for Ada County, more drop boxes, so awesome. that they can uh, make Ada County a little bit more smooth. And I hope that that carries across the state because it's, you know, important. And your point on the stickers, that one is, I, I ran a campaign in Washington one time, and it was just mail, and we did ballot drop box parties. And people oh. would come to the drop box and drop their, their uh, ballot off, and we'd hand them a sticker right there So because you just didn't get that experience. So, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, maybe I, we can figure you. something out like that. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever voted, and it was so cool when I dropped it off, and they're like, Brooke Green has voted, and here's your sticker. And I was like, that was my first time. So, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the first time, the first few times I voted were all absentee. Yeah. I didn't experience getting my sticker until I moved to Boise right. and registered here. Yeah. And um and I, I got to say I don't really care for it. Like I <laughs> I mean it doesn't do it for me. I I like I like voting early. Right. I always vote early just because I can't wait. Mm -mm. I can't, I don't know. I, once I know I can, I'm like I have to go. Right. I have to do it now. Yeah. Or, and, or I just like doing absentee. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just There's maybe, a, I I'm a, I'm a big in person. Like that's a day. Mm, yeah, right. I don't know. And also, it's so stressful it for us. It is very stressful for us. On election oh, well, day. yeah, you guys. I can we're, see that. You know, we're going crazy over there. And I'm like, I don't have time to go vote. Yeah. <laughs> Get that oh, out of yeah. the way. I can see that, but, but I can I'll appreciate tell you. it. I, I understand, though. But have you seen this year's sticker? I have. No. Oh, wait. Is it Was the... it the one from March, the 100th anniversary is it the of the same one? Suffrage? Yeah. Yeah. Suffrage? Yeah. I still have mine. I like the traditional I voted. That's. I have my women's suffrage one I still. Like there. Yeah. I have my women's suffrage one. I have it attached to my voter registration card. So, you oh, know, that's too fun. <laughs> I that. guess I just say celebrate the moment. The moment yeah. is here. Make it a big deal. Yeah. That's my candidate. So yeah. I love that. For sure. Yeah. I think we're we're going to look into seeing if we can figure out an, an I voted sticker situation because it's just, I think there are enough people who really do cherish it, even if you aren't able to leave your house because we're still dealing with a global pandemic. You can take a selfie with it, right? Yeah. There's a lot we've sacrificed this year, but yeah. I voted stickers is not going to be one of them. <laughs> we That's have anything to say about it. That's a hill I'm dying Priorities. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I love talking about voting. Voting is oh, like yeah. one of my favorite uh, things to talk about. Yeah. Obviously. Well, you know, and you alluded to it, right? Like you're like, I saw the eyes. You're like, yeah, <laughs> every clerk wants that. And it's the truth. I know. All, um, hmm. And I always like, there are certain folks on the other side who do not want people to vote mm -hmm. period and 
it's appalling. It's it's something that you have this right, and it's something that you need to execute on and get out there and do it. That you and to and to try to put all these barriers in place for people to not to vote is appalling. But I will say. Um, deep down i always want to be like the people who are in the industry as it pertains to like servants right like county clerks they're serving our communities we're serving our communities i mean maybe it's a pollyann and me where i'm like hey guys, <laughs> like i deep down want you to think i want to think that you're going to do this because we want people to have access to the polls at the same time in an emergency i'm going to respect the fact that there's a capacity issue too right so yeah no i mean there i think so i that's what i do for my day job is basically work with the secretary of state um, and work with county clerks where I can. But there are, I think there's only one right now. um, I think it's Benoit County that doesn't even have a website for their county clerk. Um, So you can't, if you are, if you are a Benoit County resident, you can't go on and find specific information on how to file to become a county commissioner, you know, stuff like that. It's very, it's disconcerting, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yes, it is. So, But yeah, and you know, I I will also say that, and this it's very rare for me to give praise to the Secretary of State's office, but <laughs> they creating a an online you the, the giving the voters the ability to request an absentee ballot online and yeah. register online. I know that seems funny to like say that no in brainer. 2020. Yeah, it seems like a no brainer. No, but we just got that uh, for the listeners for the who primary. are new. But yeah, that's amazing that, and thankful that we have that, though. We were and so excited. And you know excited. what it took for us to get that? <laughs> a national world pandemic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. That, it's, it's kind of like these no-brainers. Here we have a solution. We could easily make it happen. Oh, but we're going to wait till we have some crisis to actually have to move forward on it, which is... Um, it goes to show, it goes back to your point, right? Like until it's some, you're faced with a crisis, you don't know what innovative approaches you're going to get the job right. done. Mm-hmm. No, guys, this this one has been there for a long time. Like, right. yeah. We need a crisis to tell ourselves that we should be able to go online and register and request an absentee ballot. Like we should never have had to wait for a crisis to give those tools to our right. people. Yeah. And like, Lin- just put a button. Lindsay could talk yes. to it. But <laughs> before they made it online, the amount of like people that used to oh message gosh. us, like I don't know if you could give some examples of what people used to tell us on I mean, how you could request a ballot. I, they were I'm, DMing us on Twitter and yeah, like so many people. You like, could oh, fill out a form online. What if you don't have a printer? What if you don't have yeah, this? And yeah. you can email it to only some of them. Well, Benoit County, I don't even know if they have a, a working internet, so I don't know if I can send them my absentee ballot request. I like, don't have a printer, so I can't. <sighs> I'm a senior citizen and I can't print off at home and my son-in-law and his his wife have to come to my house yeah. and get my ballot and mail it for me. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously? But we're really lucky to now have that ability. Yeah. It, it's because we had a crisis. Right. So yeah. back to that crisis thing again. Right. <laughs> it, it kills me because we're slow. We're so slow to make change because it's uncomfortable. But we're really quick to figure out a solution when we're completely in a crisis and it's completely uncomfortable and we have no other way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, so I I mean, that's, this has been something that it's like, hey guys, this isn't rocket science. Like you could have figured this one out earlier. In the event that COVID-19 does not miraculously disappear by the time the legislature is to reconvene in January, what might that look like? What, what, What can we expect? I mean, I don't even 
know if you know how to answer this really right. at this point, but let's just talk about that and what that might look like. I mean, because COVID-19 was happening when the legislature was still in session. Mm-hmm. And like Alana said um, in her interview with NextGen the other day, um, they didn't do anything about it then. Right. Um, no. It was happening when they were in session and nothing, they didn't take any action. So. And there was not, there was no signy dying before. No, no rush you to know, do that. For anything, so. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, just like talk about that and your thoughts on that. Well, I've got some, I've got some serious thoughts on it. Yeah. One of the things being is the reality is that this isn't a hoax. There's no conspiracy. The world did not get together and decide that we're going to like create this fake virus. We really have a situation where we need to be cognizant about our neighbors, our community members, as well as our colleagues. And for the special session to occur, you know, there is this expectation and it's, and it should be right. We get in there, we do the people's work for those three months that we're there. But when we get in there and do the people's work, we need to do it recognizing that we've got colleagues that are in the vulnerable population and we need to protect them and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, I have absolutely zero whatsoever confidence that any of that is going to happen. And I say that because it was very evident um, as we left the session in the middle of the, you know, the, um, you know, the kickoff of the pandemic, nothing was done. And absolutely no one wanted to take a leadership role and make the tough decisions to send us home. And I actually was so pissed off. (laughs) I wrote a letter to the speaker because we had this pandemic coming down. We all have family members we care and love dearly and want to protect. And I could not bring myself to go out into the public and talk about what poor leadership is occurring without telling him first that I'm going to do it. And I I sent him a letter and I said, by the way, I'm going to publicly speak about how, um, we are doing nothing to ensure the safety of us colleagues in this room. And here's the heads up that's going to come down the pipeline. Right. And I did that out of respect. When we start at the come back to the session in state affairs the other day, a colleague of mine mentioned that we are all to be there and we are all to vote and our butts better be in that seat, right? That same colleague has no care in the world to put a mask on his face and acknowledge that he should also be recognizing he has an obligation to protect those around him. Mm -hmm. But yet that same colleague wants all of our butts in that seat for that vote. And I know that they're trying to make accommodations. There was discussion about how do we spread ourselves out on the floor and what does that look like? And maybe some of us will be in a committee room downstairs while the floor work is being done upstairs. But you know what, quite frankly, for those who don't want to wear a mask, your butts go sit in a room together while the rest of us who care about our colleagues and care about their families, we can sit together and have that discussion. But quite frankly, I have absolutely no desire whatsoever to sit next to a colleague who doesn't even care to recognize that my health or the health of my family or my neighbors is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you can tell, I'm really <sighs> livid about this because- right. yeah, I mean, we would Rightfully be, so. we are too, yeah. <laughs> It's just, we we need to go in there, we need to do the business, but we need to also go in there and recognize that we need to protect one another. Mm-hmm. And half my colleagues can't even acknowledge that there is a crisis at hand. 
Mm-hmm. And so as the special session gets near, not the special session, but as the session gets near, I know that they're going to do everything in their power. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this goes for the staff too. Believe me, there are staff over there who right. who do not want to be exposed, who do mm-hmm. not want to find themselves in a situation where their family members are getting sick and who too we are obligated to protect. And so uh, I am angry about the lack of compassion and caring that our colleagues across the aisle and those who do not believe that there's a crisis are not giving to one another. And that makes me mad. It's been very just troubling to see, uh, you know, I mean, some of your colleagues are going to rallies right now. Um, freedom rallies (laughs) with air quotes, um, (laughs) in, in twin falls and in Coeur d'Alene and, uh, in Sandpoint, you know, all over the place. And, yeah, I think you you speak to it that it definitely is about obviously your colleagues, but the staff too. That's something that yeah. sometimes can be overlooked. Like there's sure there's 105 between the Senate and the House, but mm-hmm. there's also probably just as many, if not more, staff members that are needed to support the legislature yeah. in yeah. different capacities or clean the, the the building or you know whatever provide services in the building to the legislators. And yeah. this is bigger than you trying to make yeah. a political statement, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than yeah. you. And yeah. especially well, in Ada County where things are not, still aren't trending in a direction we want them to be trending. No. Yep. Yep. And it's to know that there is a solution, a, a and scientific driven solution. Right. Wear your mask. Yep. Keep your distance. Respect one another's space. Um, and to know that I have got colleagues who have who have shunned that, who have publicly have come out and said, this is nothing but a hoax. And those those poor families who lose a loved one, that really wasn't because of COVID. Like, I'm sorry, oh. but inexcusable. We have an obligation to do the service for our communities, to do it for the people who voted us into office. We have an obligation to go in there, to sit in those seats, but we also have an obligation to one another to ensure that we protect and we um, ensure that they're going home to their families. And that includes being uncomfortable, wearing a mask, respecting each other's space and doing it collectively. Right. right. I mean, they. speaking of science, you know, some of these folks love to say, oh, it's science when they're trying to prove that, you know, being transgender is not real or... <laughs> okay. you know the science of gender they love to point that out but the science of a global pandemic uh, and the importance mm-hmm. of wearing a mask is irrelevant to them uh, no, but it they doesn't love fit their pseudo- pseudoscience about gender they're all about that though yep yep it's whatever it doesn't fit their narrative right and so you know they're, they're going Climate to hear change, what they want forget it <laughs> yeah they're going to put it into their own narrative and if it doesn't fit in there it doesn't exist yeah but um you know but at the same time they're the super majority and there's several of them who are in the vulnerable populations who mm-hmm. several of them who actually would like their colleagues to wear their masks. Absolutely. Several of them who do not want to be in the same room with them and jeopardize the health of their families. Right. Um, one colleague across the aisle, I mean, her son ended up getting COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and had to go through that. So there, the virus doesn't pick a party. No. The virus is going to pick whomever it picks and the outcome is going to be different for everyone. And we don't know what that looks like, but what we do know is we have the tools in place to provide protection, to Mm -hmm. ensure that we can go and do the business of the people and also at the same time, protect our families and our loved ones. My question is, and this is a wild one, kind of, it shouldn't be, who controls (laughs) the Capitol as far as 
could the governor mandate that all the legislators need to wear masks while they're there doing the people's business? Um, apparently the governor couldn't get us out of there soon enough. And so <laughs> it had to be in the responsibility of the, the speaker, speaker and the speaker and the pro tem yeah. and the pro tem and the speaker certainly took no leadership position on that early on. And so, no, I don't think he can, um, you know, the Capitol does fall within Ada County. Ada County does have a mask mandate, right. although the True. select few, and I say, I honestly believe it is a select few. I honestly believe that right. it is this isn't, the Definitely. consensus. Isn't, yeah. Isn't the majority that Loud this is a vote. For sure. it's a small little minority. Um, Although what we do have coming up and what we've seen and what I am seeing, and I mean, this is just an observation is we're going to have, the speakership is going to be challenged. And I think there's a lot of pandering that's taking place um, and positioning. And I think that's going to drive one, the narrative moving forward, but it's also going to drive how we approach the COVID um, pandemic and how we operate as an institution when we get called back to session. So I think all of those things are playing a role there, but um stick all the people in the room who don't want to wear a mask you guys go hang out together like <laughs> there's a place for you it's over there because the rest of us want all of us and our colleagues to go home safe to our families we want our staff to be healthy mm-hmm. and um apparently and i'm going to put it out there apparently you guys um there's some hoax there's some conspiracy and you really don't care and that's harsh mm-hmm. to say but i believe that it to be the truth and it, it it is it's sad um I have found myself in, and I usually don't, but several Facebook arguments over this in the last couple of months. There's just folks that obviously you're probably not going to change their mind on Facebook, but even if you could do it in person, you're not going to do it anyway. So at least have the common courtesy to, they say that they, they're going to be pro-choice and let you choose to wear the mask. And at least, the, you know, they could have the kindness to at least just allow you to do that in a separate space and them to be in a different space. I think right. that at least, you know, if, if we're not going to win this argument or come to a, co- a common ground on that masks are needed for whatever reason, that's a whole nother argument. But at least let us come to the common ground that let's just respect each other, I guess, and yeah. go our separate yeah. ways. And that's how I feel is, okay, if that's how you feel, please don't put me in a position where my right. my family, my community, and my health is at jeopardy because of your actions, mm-hmm. uh, because you're choosing that. And you know, please just take that somewhere else because if I have a choice to go somewhere else where I'm going to be comfortable in my space and I'm not going to increase the likelihood of getting an exposure, that's where I'm going to go. Right. And um, you go do your thing, you go do you do somewhere else, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go do me over there. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for being on the, the podcast. I God, this was fun. I'm so glad we were able to have you. Yeah. <laughs> this was a fun. This was a good one. Fun and chat. We will unfortunately we won't be able to get this up uh, before your meeting tomorrow oh, for the state affairs, but we we have a pretty good idea of what you're going to be tackling, and we might have to have you back on to talk about what comes up tomorrow and. Uh, Oh Talk yeah, what him. comes up tomorrow? What what I'm working on this session? Like, right. yeah, uh, I'd love to come back and we can't put it all in one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there is there is something um, that I am working and I'm very passionate about, and it's um, something that I'm going to announce on face on my website on Friday. I just got a, appointed to the Behavioral Health Council. Oh great! And um, you know, I made a commitment. My best friend committed suicide last year. And so this time last year, I was spending six months of living hell trying to get her help. And uh, 
I have made a commitment to her mother, her family, that I am going to really push for um, a change in, in how we serve and protect and provide services for folks who have a behavioral health concern or suicide. And so, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that. Yeah. So sorry to hear that too. Mm-hmm. Well, I've come to grips. No, I have not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have my best friend anymore, but what yeah. I do have is a renewed passion to, yep. you know, to change our system the best we can so yeah yeah definitely well we appreciate that and uh, appreciate you for everything that you do that and that and more so yeah thank you so much brooke for everything you do well i had a blast it's just chatting away it's so (laughs) i love this i love this format um invite me back because i'll just keep talking and um, (laughs) frankly not exactly what will always come out but it's fun it's it's the truth it's me and you guys make it fun Thanks. Well, thanks, Brooke. We'll talk to you soon and take care of yourself and stay healthy. You too. Yes, definitely. And continue to wear those masks. We will. will. See ya. Thanks, Brooke. See you guys. And that's a wrap on another episode of ID Pod. uh, One of the first since... (laughs) since our very long hiatus we're but, back. but we were back and i think that was one of my one of my favorite episodes to record just yeah very it was fun you know like when you're in a better mood after yeah it reminds me of my days as a reporter where like sometimes after i did an interview i would just feel like i was on top of the world yeah you just have those sometimes yep. and this one's that i feel i feel energized i feel excited i feel happy about those who represent us at least on our side of the aisle for sure yeah and very excited to see what happens moving forward. I'm feeling a little bit more confident about the November elections. Excited, but scared. There's always a little bit of pessimism. I worry. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, you know, it keeps me up at night sometimes with folks like Brooke on that state affairs committee. Yeah. Asking good questions, doing amazing research. I think that uh, I feel pretty confident and hopefully what will come of a apparently when not if special session so. oh yeah <laughs> she did say that didn't she? yeah she did so that was another episode we appreciate you listening again cannot stress enough that you should go request an absentee ballot iwillvote.com forward slash id very yeah. easy takes just a few minutes and you'll be voting from the comfort of your couch you don't even have to put shoes on to vote how exciting yeah. is that and like Brooke said, I mean, we don't know if we're going to have a resurgence, if we're going to all be confined to our homes again. You could contract COVID-19. Who knows by November what your situation will be. Yeah. So the best way to ensure that you're going to vote is to request that ballot. And it's easy peasy and super democratic. With that said, thanks so much for tuning in today. We will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.